Hello and welcome to our special 2022 Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I hope you've had a blessed Lenten season and a fruitful Holy Week. I love Holy Week, especially Holy Thursday, but Good Friday is always a powerful liturgy. I have to say, though, that Holy Saturday is also, since I was a little kid, a day of recollection and quiet, a day of waiting. I hope that your week has been a good one, too. Today, as we do every year, we're joined by all our contributors for our special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. We start with Church for Dummies with Billy, who will have a question about priests. That's in about five minutes. And then Jillian will be here with something that she learned from her kids. In our second half hour, Danny Torquia will be back with an Easter edition of Consumers vs. Priests, followed by Sister Marie Paul Curley, who will tell us about a new film about a priest. And then our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, has some good Hollywood news. That's all coming up, but we can't have our Easter episode without playing some good Eastery New Life-themed music. And so we're very happy to tell you that Sarah Hart has been hard at work writing some new music. And so today we will be hearing three new Sarah Hart tunes. And Sarah herself will be joining us to catch up and tell us how she celebrates Easter. So that's all coming up today. So... Let's start with a song. Here's Sarah Hart with the theme song that she wrote for this year's Religious Education Congress, In the Living Waters. Sister, why do you thirst? Don't you know there's a wellspring waiting? Come to the water's edge with me. Brother, why do you hurt? Don't you know you're a soul worth saving? Your past is dead, and what lies ahead is a river clear and clean. Where the Savior stands with his open hands, and he waits for you and me in the living waters of hope. Agua viva, esperanza. Let the whole world be redeemed in the Sarah Hart with In the Living Waters, the theme for the 2022 Religious Education Congress. And uh, we're going to be speaking with Sarah Hart very shortly. But first, now it's time for... 
Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, who has some good questions inspired by Easter. Yeah, you know, um, because of oh, by the way, Happy Easter. Yes, Happy Holy Week. Yes, Happy Holy Week. And uh, yeah, I have a, a, some question that is I have never th- thought about. Um, somebody actually asked me about um, what priests actually do. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, so basically they see them you know you know because the holy week and people are starting getting into you know get back to church yeah. um, they see priests but they they thought that priests only do mass yes uh, maybe confession you yes. know because we, we need to do confession as well i see a lot of people lining up only only during holy week yes. or even before a little bit before so and they you know people asking me what actually priests do yeah, they just a good question they just do mass and that's it and they they have salary really mm-hmm. well so first of all job. yeah first of all the salary is not a great salary um right. and uh and you're right i think a lot of people have a, an idea that all the priests only do mass and maybe confessions which is not true i mean if a priest <laughs> is alone if a priest is alone in a parish then as a pastor they have all their administration duties and then you have to remember there's all the administration that has to be done regarding the sacraments so marriages baptisms confirmations uh-huh. um uh and then a lot of priests will spend time visiting hospitals visiting senior uh-huh. homes there are funerals there there are funeral prayers um our our priests spend a lot of time at the funeral home um, there are priests that also spend a lot of time visiting schools. They might go to the yeah. elementary school. Some priests make, make a point of once a week going to, in our parish, we have five elementary schools and one high school. So oh. if a priest was to visit all of them every week, that's a lot. Um, so, so there's a lot. And then of course, there's a lot of appointments that people want to meet with a priest for whatever reason. Sometimes it's because they're getting married or something like that, but sometimes it's, they're having uh, uh, issues and and they need to speak to someone about their spiritual uh, their their spiritual uh, health um, or counseling or or spiritual direction um, or anything like that. So I think that when you put all that together, you can easily fill out eight hours a day or sometimes more than eight hours a day in a and week. And I, f- yeah, and I think they also need to do a lot of prayer, right? I mean, you know, oh, absolutely. Day. But that I would say that they don't get paid to do the prayer. <laughs> That would be extra. I mean, all of us, all of us do that. But I know priests that, yeah, they they will, will wake up at five in the morning because they have to do their morning prayer. And if they're not doing mass in their parish, they have to celebrate mass on their own. Um, if they're if they're involved in other things. Now, of course, other priests, not all priests are in parishes. Um, mm. So some priests might be doing, uh, let's say they might be a chaplain at a university or a chaplain at a cemetery or a chaplain uh uh, in other places, and 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 those would would be real jobs. Um, some also, priests are teachers, also, professors in yeah. university, mm-hmm. right? So um, uh, a priest is not just doing mass. <laughs> that's great. That's great. A lot of people thinking about that as well. And I know also a lot of priests doing 
um, leading retreat, yes. uh, giving talks yes. uh, from time to time, and a lot of people inviting them to different like uh, faith sharing, Bible studies, ministry exactly, work, exactly, RCIA, like <laughs> all kinds of things. And of course, during Holy Week, they're very busy with the Easter Triduum, and there's a Chrism Mass, and there's the Holy Holy Thursday and Good Friday and Stations of the Cross, and of course, but that's just Holy Week. That there's the rest of the year. You know, only our this little conversation. We already said this. There are priests and there are pastors, and okay, also yes. there are question about. Okay, so you know when we name a priest, no, I mean you know like um, uh, the maybe there's a lot of different naming conventions for a priest. So father, priest, uh, and there is also reverend, one, reverend, yeah monk i don't know if you know if we still use monk monseigneur yeah monseigneur uh, yeah you know so what are they you know how do yeah. we address yeah. priest correctly how so if so you're talking about titles and then yeah so 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 you can address a priest by calling him father which is the more common one you can call him reverend i think most of them probably don't like to be called reverend reverend is more official if you write their name a reverend father Okay. Um, as opposed to a deacon, a deacon is Reverend Mister. Yeah. Um, but I don't like to be called Reverend. You just call me Deacon. Um, uh, so so father, you are a Reverend too. I'm a Reverend, yes, because we're ordained. So. Oh. So um, a Monsignor is a title that is given to priests that or pastors that have special. It's a title, like an honorary title. Usually, the pastor of a basilica or a or a cathedral is referred to as a Monsignor. It's an honorary title, but it usually means that you get more work. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the priests that work in Rome, for example, are, are we call them monsignors. Now, it also depends on what country you're in, because monsignor, like you said in French, is very common. You just a bishop, you would call him monsignor, um, mm. which means my lord. But in English, we would not call a bishop my lord or a monsignor. Yeah. In English, we call the bishop uh, your excellency or your eminence if it's a cardinal or your grace if it's an archbishop in Canada. In other places, they don't use your grace. So it really depends on where you are as well. Um, you mentioned monk. Monk, uh, you would never call someone monk. You would call them friar or brother if they're a religious brother. Yeah, a, a friar if they're a Franciscan, and some of them maybe a, a friar might be a priest as well. So a, a priest, if he's a Franciscan, might prefer to be called friar. Mm -hmm. um, if they're a monk, they're a brother, a religious brother, so they're not priests. They're not ordained. Okay, so uh, so they all have different responsibility, right? Like yes, uh, or, or they are just addressed differently. Uh, uh, yes and no. Uh, yeah, M mostly the, these are titles. Um, and it may refer to their role. I mean, obviously, a bishop is different than a priest, is different than a than a deacon. Those are the three orders, the hierarchy. The other ones are not hierarchy; they okay. are just honorary titles. So even a cardinal, a cardinal is, does not have more authority than a than a bishop. A cardinal is a bishop, um, but it's a it's an honorary title because they're part of the College of Cardinals that elect the Pope. Um, so, so uh, most of it has to do with their role, and and then their the title, which may be or may not be uh, an honorary title. Nice. Now, so you know, during Easter, we are watching a lot of different masses online, and you know, a lot of different activities online about the characters. So we know who are they and what they address. Exactly. Thank you, Billy. 
Billy Chan, always asking good questions. Uh, make sure you follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up is what I learned from my kids with Jillian Cantor, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. This is a special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn more about Salt and Light Media at eselmedia.org. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, happy Holy Week. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing? How's, how's Lent been? Just final push. Here we go. The final push. Lent has been good. And of course, we've been talking about the the, the delegation to Rome and, and relations between indigenous people right. and, and the church and healing and reconciliation. So I've brought all that with me from Rome. Yeah. So it's been a, a Lent and Holy Week of, of healing yeah. and reconciliation because reconciliation mm-hmm. is something that happens also internally. So it's, yeah. it's been good. It's been good. How about yeah, you? This is a big and heavy Lent for you, but yes. important. Yes. How about, how about you and the family? Any, any Lenten lessons to share with us? Yeah, it's, I mean, you could use this anywhere. It could be an all year round lesson. It happened during Lent and we're going to, we're going to put a Lenten slash Easter twist to it. So here we go. My lesson for you today is don't be a crusty worm. There. I think that speaks for itself. We're done here. Happy okay. Easter. <laughs> I, I, I've never heard of, of, of a crusty worm, but uh, I'd like to know more. All right. Well, it started on a spring morning. We had had an overnight rain. And so as we were getting the kids ready to leave for school, we noticed on the driveway, there's not like one or two worms. It is like a festival. There was a worm festival happening on our driveway. And so we delicately step around the worms on the way to school. And when Leo and I return after dropping everyone off, we notice the driveway is starting to dry up and that's danger zones for the worms. So we do what we can. We like here and there, pick a few up and throw them back into the grass and the dirt. But as I'm doing it, I'm musing, these poor worms, you gotta help yourselves, guys, come on. And we're like picking them up. And as I'm doing this, I noticed Leo get right down close to a like quite a large mass of worms. It's like inches away, face inches away from them. And all of a sudden he yells, save yourselves. (laughs) So I mean, we tried. We're not superheroes. We did what we could. We picked a few up and because we had to carry on with our days. We'd go inside. Later in the afternoon, after kids are home from school, the, it, we went outside to do some chalk art and on the driveway. And it's it's a, it was awful. There was just crusty worms everywhere. The driveway was dried up. Those worms didn't stand a chance. And I was musing out loud, like, what were they even thinking? I mean, it was a rhetorical question. I wasn't expecting an answer, but one of the older kids, I think it was Annie said, I don't think they were thinking. I think they were just doing. <laughs> and I laughed because I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, that totally speaks to me. Who doesn't that speak to? Who else gets themselves stuck into trouble and becomes a crusty worm when we just plow ahead with our own ideas without mm-hmm. thinking? Whether it's you know, a new idea we're trying to incorporate into our family, a new opportunity. I mean, this is like, it's like the driveway of life. It looks lovely. It's this giant new expanse of territory. It's a new opportunity. And we plow on through without stopping to take the time to discern, carefully consider, take it to prayer. I mean, it could ultimately be a good thing. Let's say you're trying to employ a new method of prayer in your family. 
and you just plow ahead with it without really giving it much consideration. And maybe it's not working for your family. Maybe it's actually causing more distress and more fighting than, mm-hmm. than, than it should. If I mean, especially if it's, you know, a prayer opportunity, but if it's causing fighting, why are we powering through this? Why do we get so stubborn and we stay there on that driveway? And even though the sun is coming out, the light of day is shedding light that, it, you know, this is not working for us but we're plowing through without considering, without the discernment, without just taking it to God. So before we become those crusty worms, it's not too late for us. We, unfortunately, we are not like a worm. We do have a soul. We do have a relationship with God. So we can take that opportunity to stop, to, to, to take it to prayer, whatever it is, whether it's that you know, bad habit that we're stuck in, new opportunity, um, just new ideas. That, we're, that those expanse of driveway ahead of us, we can stop and take it to the Lord and he can show us the direction to new life. So for those worms, that life is getting back on the grass and the dirt. For us, it's heading back in the direction of God. What can we do that will give us new life that relies on him? That's not our own stubborn, sinful selfishness that, that makes us stay there on that driveway and get dried up like a crusty worm. So what can we do? How can we bring these opportunities to him, no matter at what stage, you know, whether the driveway is nice and wet, whether the driveway is starting to get a little dry from the sunshine, whether it's completely dry, we are not crusty worms and we do have the benefit of taking it to the Lord at any of those stages. So there you go. I hope that, (laughs) I hope that's helpful to someone. You know, we consider Easter time as this opportunity of new life. Um, and, And we often think of that in terms of it's springtime, there's new growth, Jesus is risen from the dead. Obviously, there's the new life in the resurrection, but there's also new life within us. Let's consider the new life when we carefully discern our opportunities and our ideas and, you know, whatever our habits are. We take those to the Lord. What gives us life? What is the new life within us because of this time that we've taken in prayer with him? Yes. So before, you know, the driveway of life dries us up in the sunshine, let's take that time to experience that new life with the Lord that he gives to us through, you know, prayer discernment, through careful consideration, through that relationship with him. Yes. So don't be yes. warm, Pedro. I will not. I love that. And I think that that's what Lent, that's what Lent is. Lent is an opportunity mm-hmm. that the church gives us to think about where we are and maybe how hot the sun is getting and then (laughs) redirect ourselves back into the moist soil and grass um save yourselves save yourselves thank you leo for that uh important warning save yourselves (laughs) and jesus christ has already done the work to save us and that's Mm -hmm. what we celebrate at easter Thank you for that beautiful lesson. And thank you for doing what you can to save the worms out in your driveway. We, do, we try. I encourage everyone. It's our, um, it's a global campaign, save the worms. Get you them can't, off the driveway. you might not be able to save them all, but as the story with the starfish, it made a difference to that one or two or three worms yeah. that you did save. Yeah. <laughs> Toss them back in the grass so the birds can find them. It's eh. not an easy life. A it's worm. not an easy it's life a being a worm. <laughs> Julian, thank you so much for that lesson and uh, happy Easter. Thank you. Same to you. Jillian Cantor is the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Coming up is a conversation with Sarah Hart, so don't go anywhere. I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I hope that you're all familiar with Sarah Hart. 
I think I can say it. I'm going to embarrass her with this, but Sarah is the queen of Catholic music <laughs> compositions. She's always writing um, with some 10 albums in the last 20 years, at least that's since I've known her. She's been on this program many, many times, and I'm so happy that she can join us today. Sarah, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Welcome back. Hi, my friend. Thank you so much. It is so, so good to talk to you. I feel like we're all sort of coming back from a lot of things. Amen. We are. We are. And I, I kind of wanted to start there. But, but I mean, it, 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 people have been saying that it's been like the longest Lent ever that started, <laughs> you know, in March 2020, 2020. But how, yes. how was how how has it been for you and how was this Lent for you? Well, you know, it's funny. In a lot of ways, I feel like maybe we needed a long Lent. Um, a lot of us needed some introspection. I think that this chaos happened when the world most needed chaos to stop, if that makes sense. And so mm -hmm. for me, the like when COVID started, it was kind of a very sweet time. And I don't think I realized how uh, chaotically I'd been living my life and not just my personal life, but my spiritual life. Yeah. And when everything was forced to come to a halt, I was forced to come to a halt. And you know me, I'm just a ball of chaos. And wherever I go, I carry it with me. So to <laughs> No, but you know what? I'm actually surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. Because I always think, I mean, you're I would not describe it as chaos. I think you're just busy. And maybe yes. there's just too many, you maybe you're pulled in different directions, but I never yes. see you as chaos. Um I see you as this prayerful. <laughs> Aren't you always prayerful and writing I'm thinking, beautiful songs? I'm thinking that's that's not what my husband would say, but okay. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, of course I am. I try to be prayerful. I try to write beautiful songs, but I think that's it. The busyness of life, you know, and sometimes the busyness of life does not afford us the spiritual introspection that we need mm -hmm. and especially creative people. Um, so I actually found that to be a very sweet time and something else that was sweet about it was my family was all home my kids were home right. and you yes. know i've spent so many years on the road traveling weekends and i've you know missed a lot of the things that they have done my kids were involved in mm -hmm. you know they danced for a while they did sports for a while they did art always always art and so a mm -hmm. lot of weekend things i missed as a mom so to be here and be present and know i was going to be with them on a weekend was very sweet yes. and and it was as hard as it was and as many people as were suffering in my own home i felt like god was giving me a little bit of a vision mm -hmm. of something i had maybe missed for a lot of years so yeah i think uh, i yeah. think that that's what i like about psalm 23 that sometimes he forces us to lie down in green yes he's like he exactly. makes you lie down right that's great that's a great word and yes thank yeah. you for sharing that with my heart today because absolutely like some of us need to be forced and practically pinned down to say just shush yeah. like stop for a moment and listen and yeah that I is that, that is how it was so was this year Lent a little different? Did you feel, I mean, you, you've been sort of back, back at yes. it for a year now. Back and busy. And this year is the first year in my life that I haven't given something up. Um, what I decided yeah. to do, yeah, what I decided to do was take something up instead. So uh -huh. every day I've been either praying for someone that I find really hard to pray for, um, you know, uh, I've been tipping extra on a lot of things, <laughs> even yes. though it hurts my pocketbook. Like I, I'm just trying to take up something every day that's hard to do because 
I don't know. I think the older I get, the more I feel like giving up coffee. Is that really where it's at? Although in my head, you know, I can hear my very Irish grandmother saying, no matter what you give up, it'll never compare to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for your sins. You know, like I can hear, <laughs> I can hear my grandma, but yeah. I just, I just feel like taking up something to me is more in line with what Jesus would ask us to do, would want us Absolutely. to do. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I think a lot of people have been doing that, especially those of us mm -hmm. that have that have been blessed to be able to continue working despite the pandemic. Yes. I have a little yes. more money. I'm not driving as much. I've saved on gas mm -hmm. so I can give more. Um, Sarah, we're going to take a, a little break, but 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 uh, to take us to the end of the half hour, we're going to play a new song that you wrote with Tom Booth. Yes. It's called Holiness. Tell us a little bit about the song. Oh, well, my brother, Tom, he's so sweet. And he called me and he said, I just want to write a song about holiness. And so he sent me a melody and um, I just played it over and over and over and over. And these are the words I came up with. And it's funny because sometimes when you set out to write a song, you're like, I'm just going to write a great song. But then sometimes it ends up becoming the prayer of your heart. Yes. And so these words for me were really the prayer of my heart. Like, I know I struggle. I know I doubt. I know I wander. And to be able to put that into a song that says, I know all these things about myself, but yet these are holy too. And these are things, my wandering, my doubt, these are things that are helping me on that journey to holiness. Yes, and maybe that can be the prayer for us today as we prepare for the Easter Vigil tonight. Here is Holiness by Sarah Hart and Tom Booth. God of my heart, only you hear All that I've carried and spoken You meet me here where light can listening to Sarah Hart's single, Holiness, that she wrote with Tom Booth. This is our Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Coming up in our second half hour, Consumers versus Priests with Danny Torquia, What's Good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, and Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Plus, Sarah Hart will join us again for a little more conversation. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Easter edition, part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. Coming up is Sister Marie Paul Curley, who will tell us all about a new film about a priest. But now it's time for Consumers versus Priests with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back. Happy Holy Week. I hope you had a good Lent and that you're ready for the Easter vigil tonight. 
yes, I am so ready. And uh, you'll never guess what my Lenten uh, sacrifice or promise was. Oh, oh, what was it? Well, I, I had to, I wanted to talk less. How's that? <laughs> How's that for one? That's a good one. I like that. I should but, do that. I'm breaking my, my, you know, I'm more, I'm now I'm talking on radio. So let, let's see what, what, what can come out of my let's, mouth. Yeah. It's hard to, it, it's hard to do that when you're on radio, but um, it's a good one. I should try that one for Lent. So what, uh, what, uh, what have you been thinking about uh, this Holy week as, as it comes to consuming and being priests? Well, I've been, I've been speaking with a few clients on the concept of trust uh, you know, we work with organizations in the church and also for-profit normal organizations like uh, ice cream pr producers and, and pizza. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that we know uh, from research is that individuals, Americans and Canadians are putting more and more of their trust in business. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and that's coming at the expense of them having less and less trust in other institutions like media or government. Okay. Certainly probably religion, although I haven't looked at the numbers of, from religion, but certainly the, the big winner in the trust game in our consumer-based post-Christian culture mm -hmm. is corporations, companies, small and large. So I think you see that, that that's the trend is kind of bringing Catholics and others to buy um, what the companies are saying not just mm -hmm. buy what they're selling but buy also the morality that they're telling us you know the ways in which they want us to believe think and then act ultimately mm -hmm. kind of dangerous territory it is and i wonder i don't know if you can answer this question but i wonder what would be the reason why do you think people is it because they're more exposed to the messages the subliminal maybe messages that are coming out from business and not so much exposed to other messages from the church or others? Uh, I mean, everybody has to have a master, right? We all have to have a master. And, and also yeah. when you take away God, when you take away Jesus as the cornerstone, I mean, that's a fundamental problem, first of all, in our families, in our homes, but then you've got to fill it with something. Mm -hmm. And because we're a society of cons consumers, materialism, I mean, it's kind of logical that companies that sell you the genes be, but they don't really sell you the genes. They sell you the lifestyle. These companies have money. They have an agenda. Like they have a big end goal, which warrants investment. And mm -hmm. they, 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 buy, they buy endorsements. They buy third-party endorsements. They buy influencer deals, contracts with spokespersons, the, advertise the beautiful and the, the, the big, bold, and beautiful vice-based commercial promotional ads. I, I think what I'm getting at is how could they not succeed Mm -hmm. And getting our trust, if we're if we have no cornerstone, if we're not firm in the faith, because we fall for what others have, we we want what others want: lifestyle, vice, power, lust goes into gluttony. You know, so it's a very difficult time. Hence, what is the antidote? I, I think all these things for me point to the church. I think that there are things that the church can be doing differently in terms of quote unquote, marketing the message. But in terms of getting people's trust, don't you think that, I mean, that's hard work. It takes time. It has to do with relationship. People that don't have a relationship with the church or with Jesus Christ are going to have a hard time trusting. And so how do we, so you said the antidote is, is the church, is Christ. So how can we help people build that trust or build those relationships with the church? 
So my I, my first uh, suggestion is to use testimonials to showcase mm. ordinary people, Joe the plumber, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, in stories of conversion, in stories of finding uh, hope through despair, mm-hmm. uh, light through darkness, uh, unity through division, and and we have those stories. So it 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 might come from it might come from a bishop, but it really should come from ten ordinary people in different situations of life. Right. Who find the, 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 the strength to persevere and, and it, it comes through the faith in Christ. So I think we have to do a lot better, a better work in our imagery and our testimonials, pictures of happy people and not not only traditional things. I'm a big fan of traditional things for liturgy, the traditional things for prayer life and, and text and magisterium. But in everything else, we've got to jazz it up a bit with like attractive, smiley people. Yeah. Um, pictures of real people close up uh, do you know what i mean we have a lot of work to do in promoting the con, con the, the transformation of a person in despair to a person full of life mm-hmm. yeah and ultimately that's what everybody wants they want abundant life and i think easter is a great time um, i have a, a priest friend who always said if you have someone that's been outside of the church invite them to come to the easter vigil because that's right. i mean that's like the mother of all liturgies and it's so beautiful with the fire and the lights and the candles and the music and the baptisms and uh so, so maybe that's a place where people can start. Uh, it is get reconnected well, it, by going to the Easter Easter vigil. And and Easter is all about trust. Uh, and we talked today is the top the topic we're talking about is trust. So we have to put our trust in in the re- resurrection, in the passion, and the Via Dolorosa leading to Easter morning. And so let's let's uh, remind people that this is what our faith is all about, and that it's believable, it's credible. That's it, Danny. Thank you very much. Thank you. As we, as we move away from being consumers and being more priestly. Mm-hmm. Um, happy Easter. To Thank you, you, and you your too. Family. Happy Easter. Christos Anesti, <laughs> as they say. Yes. All right. Danny Torquia. He's the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia, and you can learn more at his blog, Dialogue and Grace. I am Billy Chan. You are listening to the Southern Night Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to our Salt and Light Hour Easter special. I'm Deacon Pedro. Coming up is the rest of my conversation with Sarah Hart. But now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back. Oh, it's great to be here, Deacon Pedro. Thank you. I think we can say Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yes, I think so. Easter is the central point of our faith. We're always celebrating Easter every day. So you have a good film to talk about today, a new film. I do, actually. And it's being released in theaters uh, this week. Uh, and I was wondering if you'd seen it yet. Um, the new Father Stew, I starring Mark Wahlberg. I have not seen it. I hope to see it. And I've heard a lot about it. Um, but no, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to it. sounds like a great story, actually. It is. It is an amazing story. And I think they did a, a strong job of bringing it to, to film. For, for those of you who haven't heard of Father Stew, it's a, based on the intriguing, really, truly intriguing, true story of a boxer and wannabe actor who undergoes a profound conversion, which leads him to discerning a call to the priesthood. But even his journey to the priesthood is not without obstacles. Uh, and this film, uh, it stars Mark Wahlberg, 
who I get the sense from the interviews that I've read and seen of him, that this is really a passion project for him, that it's an opportunity mm -hmm. to bring his faith and his acting together. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think he must, he must relate to this story very deeply um, because of the early conversion in, in Stu's life. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's an amazing story, like really incredible, the true story, but it's hard to do biography and film. And I think that that's what I would say, like the acting of Mark Wahlberg is great. His alcoholic, the alcoholic father figure in the film is Mel, is played by Mel Gibson, mm -hmm. who also I think brings a strong element of faith to this film. Mm -hmm. And he does a fantastic job. He is so believable. Um, as this character. And so this, so the story goes that he's a boxer. He uh, can't continue because his body can't handle the punishment. He's kind of aging out of the boxing ring. And so he decides he's going to go off and become an actor. So he does that. He ends up, uh, Stu ends up in a grocery store um, at a, behind a, a butcher counter. Uh, and he sees this beautiful young woman coming to get, you know, her, her meat for the week. And he decides that he's going to try to find out who she is. And she puts up a, a poster for a group meeting at the church. And so he follows her to the Catholic church and then pretends that he's interested in being a Catholic and goes through the RCIA process <laughs> all in light of dating this beautiful young woman who um, who realizes, I think a little bit of what's going on. So it's a very amusing story uh, in, in many, many, many ways, a very gritty story because you realize Stu is coming from a very harsh background and really longing for meaning in his life. Mm -hmm. um, at any rate, he does have, he does enter the church, has a very tragic accident, almost dies. And, uh, and at that point really connects, uh, with God really realizes how much his life is a gift and starts to turn his life around and, uh, and then starts discerning his call of the priesthood. I, I don't feel like I'm giving too much away because the title of the movie is father Stu and you see yep. Mark Wahlberg with a Roman collar. So, so that's kind of like the, um, the overarching kind of plot of the movie. As I said, the acting is phenomenal. The, I felt, I think the script and the direction might be a little weak because the story wanders a little bit. It's hard to follow sometimes what's a dream or a vision. And there's not tons of that in the film, but just a little bit hard to follow and connect Stu's journey of faith, leading him into the seminary. However, once he gets into the seminary, I think they do a really good job of showing how Stu's faith is deep, has been deepening mm -hmm. and how he marries this, uh, that's a strange word to use, but how he pulls together the strength and grit and determination of his character with his faith and with a humility that is really beautiful, a, a true dependence on God. Mm. Um, one of the amazing things about this story is the illness that he struggles with and that becomes a witness uh, to, to basically the parish and the diocese and the seminary. And I think that that element in, in Father Stu's life is very, very well portrayed. Um, so having said all that, I would say the film is well done. It's definitely something you 
you'd want to see. I mean, I really wanted to see it and I enjoyed it. Um, I think it's a bit light on the faith element because it's hard to do that interior story. It doesn't shy away from faith in any way, but it's, I think it struggles a bit with communicating the deeper faith uh, because there's so much that happens in Stu's life that you kind of need to get a grasp on. I will say that Father Stu's homily near the end of the film is very, very powerful and touches very directly on the theme of suffering, which I think all of us um, could, could use a good homily by somebody who's, who's close to Christ. I think that that really is very powerful. So a powerful film. Um, yeah, I'm looking, um, I'm looking forward to watching it. I think it's a great opportunity to, I mean, it's a good story and a good story of faith that maybe will touch people uh, wherever they are and, and see that they're just as there was hope for Father Stu in his conversion, there's hope for all of us and, uh, and how that led him to great suffering and how he ended up suffering for his parishioners. Um, I, again, I hope that's not giving too much away. Uh, sister, thank you so much. I'm, I'm very much looking to watching the film. So that's Father Stu. It's out in theaters as of last Wednesday in Canada and the US. So I know people can, can get out there if they want to go to the theater and watch the film. Something good to watch over the Easter season. Um, thank you very much, sister. Happy Easter. That's a happy Easter. God bless. Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com and follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to our special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. The best place to stream or download this program is at our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. And now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome. Hello, Pedro. I think Thank we can, you. I think we can, by now we can start saying Happy Easter. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's happening as this is being aired. Is it happening? Now? Yeah, it's coming. It's happening. Yeah. yeah so you have some uh, some good news from Hollywood this Easter. I do. Good news. Uh, sad news. So last time I talked about uh, Three Songs for Benazir, which was a short documentary up for nomination. Right. It sadly enough did not actually get the award. Sad emoji. I don't know if that emoji will come through on the no, audio recording the or not, but... But yeah, we're very I, sad she didn't get it, but still incredibly happy. What an honor to be nominated. Absolutely. Good for them. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Very, very happy about that regardless. And it'll, you know, set her career on a very good path. So Yes. But for Easter, I, I wanted to talk about, or at least take a scene from one of the other Best Picture nominees this year, Don't Look Up, from uh -huh. writer-director Adam McKay. I don't know if you saw it or not. Yes, but, I did. Uh, I did see it. Okay, so you know, it's kind of like, it's sort of like it's got lots of political overtones, you either love it or you hate it. Um, but the gist of it is, is that a comet is discovered to be on a collision course with Earth. And guess what? Spoiler alert, everybody dies in the end. Very sad, very sad. Yes. Sad emoji. Um, <laughs> so, but the, the scene that I thought was really interesting is near the end of the film, 
everyone is deciding how they're going to spend their final minutes. And so some have a nice Thanksgiving-style dinner with loved ones. Some make love. And others just get drunk and fornicate and party away. Yeah. And you can't help but think when you're watching this, you're like, oh, my goodness. This is how you're going to spend the end of the world? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it just strikes you as so ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? And then as I thought about it more and more, I'm like, no, this is actually probably quite accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just reading um, a Jordan Peterson quote where he was summarizing Carl Jung's uh, thoughts about um, sort of existential angst. And he says that he says, consciousness is painful and anxiety provoking as it carries with it the realization of vulnerability and death and that we are constantly tempted to sink back down into dependency and unconsciousness and to shed the existential burden. That, i.e., to be fully conscious, you have to realize that we are vulnerable and that we're going to die, either either by yeah. comet or by car accident. And it's very tempting to do something just to distract ourselves from this very stark reality of death. Um, And so the Easter connection here, or kind of like Lenten, is Lent is the time when we as Catholics say, hey, stop distracting yourself. Look at at that comet in the sky. (laughs) You're going to die. And, you know, the fasting that we're called to do is just the tiniest, idiest, bittiest little taste of death. Um, but we, but it's funny, like I'm a wuss. I I get scared. I'm like, no, I don't want to fast. It's going to be painful. Yeah. Um, but we just got to deal with it, you know, have to look at it. Um, and, and, and so first of all, looking at death, staring death square in the eyes is the first half of the story. Once we realize we're going to die, we have to find a, a, we have to respond to it. And the only real answer, the real eternal solution to this is through Christ's resurrection and death, that he basically offers us a life after this death. And so my invitation for today is don't just sort of half consciously be aware that we're going to die and then we only half consciously respond to Christ. I say no, fully look death in the eye, look at the comet in the sky, your life is going to end. And then fully accept Christ's salvation, his his offer to save us past that deadly comet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because otherwise, honestly, without that, like if death is really the end and there is no life after death, like, hey, you, you, you should be doing drugs and drinking and just trying to ignore the, the existential angst. So... So that's the that's the that's the that's the rough connection today, and and kind of like it's funny too. Like even for myself, working in entertainment and then in technology, you kind of see these forms of entertainment or AKA distraction um, evolving. And in its lowest form, entertainment is just anything that distracts us from that reality. And and how do I know this? Because I spend too much time on YouTube. You know, I'm kind of like, I should be praying and not just watching YouTube all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and all these forms of entertainment can be something good and that lift us up to something higher, such as maybe watching Don't Look Up and hopefully realizing these things. Um, but at their lowest, you know, they're just kind of distracting us from this existential angst. So, so yeah, have faith. Don't distract yourselves just, just because you know, you don't want to deal with this fact. So look up, 
look at the common in the sky and deal with it. Look up. That's a great uh, Easter message as we uh, end end this today's show. And yeah, not to to make people scared, but to 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 make them look up, not at the comment, but at where we're headed, right? Yeah, heaven. Yeah, to look look at the life after that. Exactly, death. exactly. Um, very good, very good message today, uh, Mark. Thank you for sharing that. I I did not think of it when I was watching the movie, uh, but I'm glad that you uh, helped us put it into perspective today. Happy Easter. Yeah, yeah. Happy Easter. He is risen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. What's good in Hollywood or what's coming out? What's good that's coming out of Hollywood? With Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. You can follow him at HU Missionary. Hi, I'm Danny Tortia from Media Ministry Minutes, and you're listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Throughout the program, we've been listening to new music from Sarah Hart. We also spoke with Sarah at the end of our first half hour. Um, Sarah has been sitting here patiently throughout the program, and she joins us again. Um, we were talking a little bit about about how this Lent had been, how different this Lent had been for you. Um, but I'm curious to know a little bit about rituals. When your girls were younger, were there any Lenten rituals, or maybe Easter rituals that that you always did and then maybe you're looking forward to doing maybe i know that the girls are out of the house now so so it might be a different easter for you this year as well definitely it is a different easter for me although we're we're actually leaving um to pick up our daughter so that we can be together for easter nice. um but yes it's it's very different without the kids and i would say in terms of ritual i can just tell you the very favorite um the very favorite sort of ritual that ever happened to us. And it actually happened this year as well. Um, but we had on Ash Wednesday, one particular year, and then we had it again this year, had a huge snowstorm. Okay. So our church services were canceled. So the first year that it happened, the kids, I think they were about eight and 10. And I said, well, we're gonna have Ash Wednesday service at home. So we got our palms from the last year and we also all sat down and we wrote um, the things we were sorry for on pieces of paper. And we went out on the back deck and burned them to ash along with some of the palms and mixed it and distributed ashes to each other. Beautiful. And each of us got to distribute ashes. So we distributed to everyone, like all three of us, all four of us yeah, got yeah. to distribute to each other. And it was so beautiful to just watch my children put ashes on my head and say, you know, from dust you came to dust you shall return. And, and it, it was, I don't know, that was probably my favorite Lenten experience I've ever had. Yeah. I've uh, that's so profound because I've heard people share similar stories about foot washing um, yes. because we were not even though we were open last year we were not right. able to do the foot washing this year we did again um, but I, I know some families that did the foot washing at home and that's yeah. also very profound when you have you're washing your children's feet yes. or having your children wash your feet um, incredibly profound incredibly yeah. profound Sarah um, I know that you're, I mean, you're always writing. There's always new music coming down the pipes. I'm not worried about that ending, <laughs> but I know that, but I know that you you spend a lot of time doing retreats, running retreats, workshops, and that's really a big passion of yours as well in your heart. Um, tell us a little bit yes. about something that that's new maybe in that area and that how people maybe can find out more if they want to join in any of those retreats that you might be leading, especially for women. 
Sure. So yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite things to do. I was just talking about this yesterday with a young artist saying, you know, you can have all your big conventions and you can do all that stuff, but the sweetest are just parish missions and small events where you are on the parish level and meeting people and hugging people and talking yes. to them and hearing their stories and getting to know their stories. I mean, that's the heart of ministry. That's really what Christ did. Like Christ mm -hmm. was a wandering minister. He was itinerant and he went to the people where they were and he yeah. hugged them and met them and heard their stories. And so I think that's what makes um, what I do so very sweet. But yes, I am working on a new um, women's retreat right now. It's called Recreation. And um, I actually was very, I got this idea because so many women after women's retreats, especially come up to me and say, my kids are grown and gone and I don't know who I am and I feel lost. And so it's kind of a, a for women, I think, needing to be reminded of not just who we are, but whose we are. And we're, we're having to sort of look at ourselves in a new light. What is what is life after kids? What is life after we're just more than soccer mom? You know what I mean? But yeah. but how are we continuing to be recreated um, in the likeness and image of God throughout our lives? Um, you know, it doesn't stop when our kids grow. Like, like we yeah, just have to kind of dig into that. And then I'm doing um, a new parish mission on um, love as never before which is based on my mass of St. Mary Magdalene and also yeah. some of the songs there, but it's really a mission about social justice and how we as Catholics are called to love greater than we have before, how um, how we fight sort of the, um, the angst within the church, even within our own ranks of dwindling numbers and meet it with social justice and with love. And that is how we build a church. Um, you know, to be quite honest, it's, right. to, it's to love the people and meet them where they are. And that's how we build a church. So that's love as never before are, is a mission that would be good for parishes. That's a great parish mission. A yes, parish that mission. would be that would be a parish mission. And then recreation would be a, a, a retreat experience for for women. Um, yes, that that's wonderful. And I and I guess people can find out more at your website, sarahhart.com. Yes, they absolutely can. And you can email me directly through the website if you want, or if you have any questions, I'm very accessible. She is very accessible, <laughs> and she responds to all her emails. Everybody emails Sarah. <laughs> You can find out Don't how to do that, that at sarahhart.com. Sarah, we're going to end the show by playing, I think this is your newest song, Our New Day. Tell us about it. This Easter song. So actually, this is a special song to me because it was written during COVID and we couldn't gather for Easter. It was a year we weren't going to be together. And I kept thinking about this theme of the the apostles in the upper room who couldn't leave, who were afraid to leave, who were afraid to go out the door, just like we were, like, right? Afraid to gather, mm -hmm, afraid to go out mm -hmm. and be seen. And and how how exciting it must have been when Mary and Joanna and the women ran in the room and said, come on, you knuckleheads, follow us, he's alive, you know? And I was thinking about how will that be when we all get to go back again for Easter and gather at Easter and rejoice together. Um, it will be like a new day. And so I just kept thinking that it'll be like a new day. It'll be our new day. And that's how the song was born. Yes. And it's a great, great song to carry us, not just over this Easter weekend, but also through the next six weeks and beyond as we go into Pentecost and, and, uh, and, uh, and other amazing feasts of the church. Sarah, thank you so yes. much. We're going to end the show with that song. Um, but it's been so great spending a little bit of time with you today. And you uh, as well. Thank Easter. you. Happy Easter to you and your family. Happy Easter. Let us make this a truly joyful, happy Easter. There's so much joy to be had in this time in our church calendar. So God bless you all and joy to everyone.
you can learn more about Sarah Hart and purchase her music and find out about all those retreats and, and parish missions at her website, sarahhart.com. If you missed the beginning of the program and you want to listen to the rest of our chat with Sarah, go to slmedia.org and click on podcasts. All our programs are archived there. And here now to take us out is Sarah Hart with her newest single, Our New Day. to Sarah Hart with her newest single, Our New Day. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at our website, slmedia.org podcast. All our programs are available there for download. And of course, you can also listen to the Salt and Light Hour wherever you get your podcasts. The Salt and Light Hour is a ministry of Salt and Light Catholic Media. You can learn all about Salt and Light Media and all that we do at our website, slmedia.org. Please visit our website and see how you can support us slmedia.org. Today I was joined by Billy Chan, Jillian Cantor, Danny Torquia, Sister Marie Paul Curley, and Mark Matthews. The CEO of Salt and Light Media is Father Alan Fogarty, and I'm Deacon Pedro. We pray that this Easter season brings us much healing and comfort as we come out of this pandemic. Thank you for being with us for this special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour.